Hallelujah. So from the diagram above the slide we have here, you can see a pictorial representation of what we've been talking about. Firstly, you are a spirit. Amen? You are a spirit. And then in between the spirit and the physical body that we see is what? Is a soul. And then we have the body. And earlier on we were singing a song that my eyes, they what? They see, right? My ears, they do what? My hands, they do what? Noun. In what? In the Holy Ghost. Which means that there are senses. Your spirit man, right? Has capacity to sense the things of the spirit. Hallelujah. And all that we do in church is that we trust God that by prayer and by the word, we'll be able to quicken the real man that is inside. Hallelujah. So first of all, the spirit man, you know, becomes alive at salvation. Our spirit, we said, is complete and mature and perfect in Christ. And this is also where, you know, true worship happens. I'm just making a recap of what we saw last time. And we also say that in our spiritual, in our, that in our spirit is a realm in which the gifts and the supernatural abilities are deposited. So if we want to manifest the supernatural in the physical, we have to do what? We have to access the real us where the deposit is because these are spiritual gifts. Hallelujah. And you can see a long arrow, prayer and tongues bypasses the soul straight to the spirit. That is how we come into union. That is how we access the things that are ours in Christ Jesus. And then the soul, the soul comprises all that has to do with our emotions, the fruit of the spirit, the will, where we reason, where we thought, our mind, our desires, our personalities. You know, where there's perception, memory, intellect. When you come to school, that is where the educational system tries to influence your intellect, your ability to reason. So if you are here and you are being trained as a lawyer, that is the target of your education. That your soul will be educated in a line of discipline. What you learn in school is to the end that your soul will be educated, your intellectual capability will be equipped with a certain level of information. That's where you feel pain, that's where you feel love. And of course, the physical body is the physical shell, the organ, the systems we see, the senses, physical senses, the speech, the ability to see, sight, you know, the sense of touch, smell, taste. And I said last time that the soul and the body, you know, is what is classified or is referred to as, as the body or the flesh. And what God wants from us is that we will live by the spirit. That our living on earth will not be influenced by the physical body and everything that is external. But God wants to, wants to lead us from the spirit realm. That is where we are. To a man and a woman that is born again. Hallelujah. Now the devil wants to do the opposite. The goal of Satan or the devil, the opposition to God, is that he wants us to be controlled by the physical. He wants us to be, 
to live by our senses, which are physical. And the only way by which we can please God is by faith, which is what? Which is by the Spirit. Hallelujah. So, how and from where is the Christian life lived? That was a question we stopped answering last time. And we said that the Christian life is meant and should be lived from where? From the spirit realm. Hallelujah. The Christian life should be lived by what? By the spirit realm. That is where we should operate from. That is where we should operate from. The Christian life is lived from the heavenly realm. The spiritual realm is the heavenly realm. That is where we come into union and perfection with Christ. Hallelujah. Now, this is not a physical realm. It's not tangible. It's not material. But it's real. Even more real than the physical. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 4. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 4. 1 to 4. I'll be fast. Yes, it says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. That above is referring to what? The spiritual realm. is referring to your spirit. Where your spirit and the spirit of God have come into union. Where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. That is where we are seated with Christ. Set your mind on the things that are way, that are above. Things that are heavenly. Things that are in heaven. That is the heavenly realm. Not on the things that are physical. Things that are earthly. Things that are on this earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When we became born again, we died to the flesh. We died. We are disconnected spiritually from the physical realm. And our focus is that we live by the spirit. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. And then we read Romans chapter 8 verse 9. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. Romans chapter 8 verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. That is talking to someone that is a believer. You are not what? In the flesh, but in the spirit. That is, you don't operate by the mind or by the physical body. You don't allow the physical body and your mind control your action, but rather you allow your spirit man to reign in your physical body. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, even did the spirit of God dwells in you. The essence of the spirit dwelling in you is that he will find expression through you. So now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. He is not his. Verse 10. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. The physical body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he will raise Christ from the dead. Rather, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Through his spirit who dwells in you. Who dwells in you. Hallelujah. Now the Christian life which is a life that we meant to live from the spirit. From the spirit. 
is lived in faith. Amen. For the just shall what? Shall live by faith. He who has been justified shall live by what? By faith. Not by sight. But we live believing the word of God, what God has said, what God has done in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, experiencing the new birth realities does not guarantee that the believer cannot walk in, this, in the flesh. What I mean is that being born again, right? Thank you for this picture. Good. Being born again does not guarantee that what? That you will live permanently. There's a possibility. What I'm meaning here is that there's a possibility for a man and a woman that is born again to still operate in the flesh. Hallelujah. There's a possibility for a man and a woman that is born again to do what? To operate in the flesh. When we ever, whenever we walk not by faith or trusting human effort, we are not walking in the spirit. Whenever we put our trust in methods, in our, our methods, in our own ways, we are not walking by the spirit. The Christian life is a continuous response to the leading of the Holy Spirit within the believer. So when we're talking about the Christian life, we're talking about, you know, the life that is a continuous response to who? To what the prompting of the Spirit is doing in the believer. For every man that has the Spirit of God in him, the Spirit of God always wants to find expression through the believer. The Holy Spirit always prompts the believer to act in a certain way. And the desire of God is that the believer will respond to this prompting always. That our decision will be as a result of the prompting of the Holy Spirit. The actions we take in the physical, when people see the way you behave, how you act and what you do, it must be the prompting and the leading of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now let's read Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16 to 18. I'm going to read from Good News Translation. Galatians chapter 5 from verse 16 to 18. Listen. It says, what I say is, let the Spirit direct your lives. Let the Spirit does what? Direct your lives. And you will not satisfy the desires of the human nature. And what we say is a human nature is what happens in the soul and the physical body. When you allow the spirit to direct your lives, you will not satisfy the desires of the human nature. For what our human nature wants, listen to this. For what our human nature wants is opposed to what the spirit wants. And what the spirit wants is opposed to what our human nature wants. These two are enemies. And this means that you cannot do what you want to do. Verse 18. If the spirit leads you, then you are not subject to the law. Hallelujah. So it therefore means that there's a possibility for you to yield to the flesh. And there's also a possibility for you to yield to the spirit. Hallelujah. Our actions are not by accident. Amen. What we do in the physical is not by accident. 
is we yielding and responding to either the flesh or the spirit. If truly the spirit of God lives in us. Hallelujah. Let me read this. Give me this same text in the Amplified. In the Amplified. Galatians 5 verse 16 and 18. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 to 18. It says, but I say work and live habitually. So what God wants us believers to do is to create a habit of constantly responding to the spirit. To create a habit, it says, walk and live. Walk and live habitually. In where? In the Holy Spirit. And what does that mean? It means responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. The Spirit lives in you. The Spirit lives in you. So, God wants you to do what? To be responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and the desires of the flesh of human nature without God. Verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are in opposition. That is, they are opposed to the Holy Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are opposed to the flesh. The godless, godless human nature. For these are antagonistic to each other. Continually withstanding and in conflict with each other. So that you are not free, but are prevented from doing what you desire to do. Verse 18. But if you are guided, you are led by the Spirit, you are not subject to the law. Hallelujah. And these are team for the year. Being led by the Holy Spirit. They were led by the Holy Spirit. The life in the Holy Spirit. They were led by the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. Romans chapter 8 verse 14. As many. For all. For all who are led. By the Spirit of God. Are what? Are the sons of God. So what authenticates your identity. What proves your identity as a son of God. What makes men know? Hallelujah. Amen. What makes men come to the realization of your identity is when they see a life that is continually led by the Holy Spirit. When they see the evidence, it is evidence. We're going to look at it later on. To see that, see, when the Holy Spirit is expressing himself in you, the proofs are evident. And when it is a flesh that is manifesting, the proofs are also evident. Because you know what? You cannot confuse the two. Hallelujah. It's evident for men to see. Men can see. Men can sense that this is a flesh walking and this is a spirit walking. Even within yourself, you can, you can test, you can know either is a spirit that is walking in you at this point in time or is a flesh that is walking in you. Hallelujah. So walking or being led by the spirit, you know, is not something spooky or something strange and abstract experiences. You know, we're not calling you into some metaphysical, some, you know, diabolic, some... Which word will I use again? To make it look compounded. Some sophisticated experiences. The way you are moving, everything moves in the physical realm. 
That's not what we are calling you to do. We're going to explain what it means to walk by the Spirit. Hallelujah. It's not difficult to do. Do you know why? Because it is Him who prompts you to do according to His will and His pressure. You don't engineer it. Amen? It's not mechanical. If you find yourself mechanically trying to assist the Holy Spirit to walk in the Spirit, you're walking in the flesh. What we do is that we respond. We respond. Say, I respond. I respond. I have the ability to respond. So I respond to the workings of the Spirit. Hallelujah. So how does the Spirit lead the believer? How does the Spirit lead the believer? How does the Spirit lead the believer? Now, the primary way by which the Spirit of God leads the believer is by the written word. Hallelujah. Now, if you don't read the word, there's no how you will be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? You spend five weeks without opening your Bible, and then you come, uh, I felt the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit cannot prompt. What is prompting you is the flesh. Hallelujah. What spoke to you? The dream and the vision you saw. Right? If your life is not rooted in the word, it cannot, it cannot be God. Because God primarily leads a man by his written word. Not in dreams, not in visions, not in prophecies, or any external manifestation. The primary, underline the word primary, the fundamental way by which the Holy Spirit leads the believer is not in visions, is not in dreams, is not in even prophetic words that comes from prophets. It's primarily from the written word. The written word must be supreme. So if you want to continually respond to the spirit, you must be a man and a woman of the word. You must be a man and a woman of the word. Probably the reason why you are yielding to the flesh is because the word has not created a, a space in your life. The word has not been rooted. You've not been rooted in the word. Therefore, the spirit does not find expression through you. The written word is inspired by the spirit of God to guide the believer. Hallelujah. We read earlier on 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. Talks about the inspiration of the word. The word is the word of God is what? Give me that scripture again. 2 Timothy 3 verse 16. It says that the word of God, every scripture, right? Every scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And the essence is that, and it's profitable for doctrine. For doctrine, for reproof. Where does the word of God reprove? It reproves the mind. It corrects the mind, the thoughts that is not meant to be there. Hallelujah. The word of God transforms the mind. They were thinking. It transforms your mindset. It renews your mind. That is the essence of the word. It corrects whatever is wrong in it. Because you know why? I told us last week that when you get born again, your mind is not born again. The only way by which your mind can operate in a Christ-like way is by renewing it through the word. And God has inspired the word by his spirit. 
and it's profitable for what? It's given by his inspiration and it's profitable for doctrine. That is for teaching, for instruction, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete thoroughly, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if your life is not manifest, manifesting the good works of God, it simply means that the work have not been allowed to do what? To find its expression in your life. It simply means that your life have not allowed, you've not allowed the word of God to gain its place in your heart. Because the word of God will transform your emotions. The word of God will transform your will, your reasoning, your thought, your mind, your desires, and even your personality. Hallelujah. You begin to express the fruit of the spirit. Hallelujah. There is a tendency for us to separate the word from the spirit. There's a possibility, there's a tendency, right, as we are talking, you know, we can separate the word, the word of God, the written word of God from the spirit. We can make a distinguishing of the word and the spirit, but not separating them. Hallelujah. Do you hear what I said? We can distinguish the word from the spirit, but the word and the spirit are not, you cannot separate the two. Hallelujah. If the spirit of God is speaking to you, it must be in the word. Amen. And the word is inspired by the spirit to guide you. Hallelujah. So God by the word and the Holy Spirit creates in you the man that God wants to see manifested in the physical. The word is the working of the spirit. Amen. The word is what? Is the working of the spirit. The things of the spirit are in the word. The word is the working of the spirit. The things of the spirit are in the word. So doing the word is giving expression to the spirit that lives in the believer. So when you are living by the word, the written word of God, what you're doing is that you are giving expression to what? To the spirit of God. You're giving expression to the spirit of God. You're giving expression to what? To the spirit of God that lives inside you. And for you to express and live the life of the Spirit simply means that you must be rooted in the knowledge of the Word. You must be taught the Word. And you must practice the Word to see the Spirit lead you in every part of your life. Hallelujah. Therefore, to, let, to be led by the Spirit, we must be doers of the Word. If you have a cravings to be led by the Spirit, you must be a doer of the Word. James chapter 1 verse 21. James chapter 1 verse 21 to 25. It says, therefore, lay aside all fitness and overflow of wickedness, which is from the flesh. And receive with meekness the implanted word. Look at what the word of God, which is able to do what? Which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not what? Not only hearers, only deceiving yourselves. So there's a possibility for you to hear and not do. But be doers of the word. For if anyone 
is a hearer of the word and not a doer. He is like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of a man he was. 25. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and do what? And do what? And do what? Continue in it. It is in the continuation in the word that you see the result in your life. Hallelujah. Not only that you only look, but you continue to look until you look, you see it manifested in your life. And you see, continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed. Is it the doer of the work? Is the translation correct? Help me. He indeed is what? Is blessed. This is one. This one will be blessed in what he does. This one is a man that will be blessed in what he does. When you continue in the word, what will happen? You see the blessings that is expected to be seen in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So some practical things the word say we should do. Right? Since we say that walking in the spirit is obeying the word, is being the doer of the word. What are some things? There are many things the word says. What are some things the word says? First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 16. First Thessalonians 5 16. Let's look at some things the word of God says. Quickly. It says what? Rejoice when? Always. Hallelujah. Now, rejoice always. Rejoice always. Is what the word says we should do. So when you rejoice always, what are you doing? You are living by the Spirit. Amen? Verse 17. Pray without word. Season. So when you pray, you rejoice. What are you doing? You are living by the Spirit. Verse 18. In everything, give what? Give thanks. A life of thanksgiving is living in the spirit. Hallelujah. For this is what? This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Where is Christ Jesus? Is in you. And the will of God for you is that you'll be made perfect in Christ. And the will of God for you is that you rejoice always. Hallelujah. How can I rejoice always in the midst of things I'm facing. Do you know what I'm passing through? Do you know what is happening in my family? Do you know what is happening in my country? Do you know what is happening in my finances, my education? But the word of God says, nevertheless, do what? Rejoice always. So this rejoicing cannot come from external. This rejoicing and praying without season cannot be motivated by anything from the flesh. It must be from the inside out. That regardless of your external experiences, regardless of your, your, your external occurrences and, and realities, the man that is of the spirit should rejoice always. So when we look at you in the midst of all that you are passing through, we see a man that is rejoicing always. Hallelujah. Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 says, do not be ignorant of the spirituals. That ignorance there refers to deliberately 
right? Intentionally refusing to do the things of the Spirit. Which means that we should practice, we should find ourselves doing the things that the Spirit is prompting us to do in His Word. Hallelujah. So how and where should the Christian life or rather, let me say, how and where the Christian life must not be lived. Now, we've established, right, that the Christian life must be lived where? In the spirit. And we've explained that to live by the spirit is to respond to the word of God. Now, where should we as believers not live from the flesh? Hallelujah. Where we should live is from where? If from the spirit. And where should we not live? From the flesh. Now I'm making this as simple as possible so that the, the most simple person here will understand. Even if English is not your first language, you should be able to understand what I'm saying. Hallelujah. That's why I'm not using big, big words. Amen. So the believer should not live by what? By emotions. Amen. So the believer should not live by what? By just his will, what he feels like doing. The believer should not live by what? By reason alone. Reason, that is, if the reason is inspired by the word, then you leave it out. Hallelujah. The believer does not just live whatever by his own desires that are not in alignment with the spirit. The believer does just live, say, ah, this is my personality. No. We all have one personality. And that personality is who? Is Christ. Amen? So no matter what your temperament is, as much as you are a believer, the Holy Ghost should inspire your character and your personality. That's what we're seeing. What the Holy Spirit will do to a man in Nigeria should be what the Holy Spirit will do to a man in Kenya. There's no difference. Hallelujah. So we should not live in the flesh. The Christian must not be influenced by the flesh and the world around him. That is the earthly. Romans of the 8 verse 5. Romans of the 8 verse 5. Romans of the 8 verse 5. I will read again from the good news. Romans of the 8 verse 5. Okay, you have good news translation. Those who live as their human nature tells them to have their minds controlled by what? By what human nature wants. Alright? Those who live as the spirit tells them to, what do they do? They have their minds controlled by what the spirit wants. Which means that you have the ability to give expressions to either the spirit or what your natural, your natural senses want. Hallelujah. The next verse, verse 6. To be controlled by human nature result to what? To death. To be controlled by the spirit result to in what? In life and what? And peace. Life and what? And peace. This is a source of peace. And so people became, become enemies of God. That is what you become. People become enemies of God when they are controlled by their human nature. For they do not obey God's law. And in fact, they cannot obey it because they are controlled by their human nature. 
So when you allow the human nature to direct your life, it simply means that you are setting up yourself in opposition with God. Verse 8. Those who obey their human nature, what will happen to them? They cannot please God. They cannot please God. So to live outside the world and outside the leading of the spirit simply means to live a life that you will never please God. Romans chapter 12 verse, verse 1, verse 2, but let's read from verse 1. The same good news, Romans chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. So then my friends, because of God's great mercy to us, I appeal to you, offer yourselves, that is your body, that is your physical body, Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is a true worship that you should offer. Now verse 2, this is a focus. It says, do not conform yourself to the standard of this world. The world influences us from outside into inside. Hallelujah. But God wants to transform us from inside into the outside. It says, do not conform yourself. There's a conformity that the world wants to do in the life of every human. They make laws to make you conform. They establish systems to make you conform. They establish situations to make you conform. But the world says, do not conform yourself to the standards. The world has a standard. The standard of thinking. The standard of, 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 of communication. The standard of dressing. The standard in whatever way of living. But let God do what? Transform you from where? From the inward. From, let God transform you inwardly by a complete change of your mind. That is the soul. Then you will be able to know the will of God, what is good and what is pleasing and what is perfect in his sight. Hallelujah. So let God what? Transform you. Then you will be able to know what is the perfect will of God at all times. The believer must not live in the flesh. The believer must not live from the outside out into, into your, 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 your inside. But rather, let the Spirit of God transform you from inside out. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Do not love the world. Earlier on we say that the world must not conform us. Hallelujah. Do not do what? Love the world. Now, he's not saying that you should go terrorizing people. Amen? Do not love the world here refers to the system and the traditions and the way of the world. The way of doings of the world. The way of doing things in the world. Do not love the world or anything that belongs to what? To the world. If you love the world, you do not love the Father. Because you cannot love the Father and still love the world at the same time. Amen? It is impossible for you to be a lover of the things of the world as well be somebody that loves God at the same time. It's not possible. It's not possible to do that. It's not possible for you to love God and also love the world. Look at verse, verse 16. For all that is in the world, everything that belongs to the world, what the sinful self desires, that is what is in the world, what the sinful self desires, what people see and want 
the wantings of the world, the people of the world have the things they want to do. And everything in the world, in this world, that people are so proud of. Amen? What people in this world are what? Are so proud of. Pride. None of these things comes from the Father. It all comes from what? From the world. The King James says what? It says, it says for all that is in the world, that is the lust of the flesh. The things that the flesh lost after. The loss of the eyes, what you see, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's from the world. Hallelujah. Verse 17. And the world is passing away, and the loss of it. That means that all that is in the world will pass away. Will come to condemnation, will come to judgment. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Hallelujah. He who does the will of God, what happened to him? He lives forever. So the believer must not live as the world lives. Amen. The believer must not live in immorality because immorality is the life of the world. The believer must not live in what? In immorality. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19. Let's look at what immoral life is. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19. Yes, 19 to, to 21. Now the works of the flesh are what? They are evident. I said it earlier on that they are plain. When you see it, you know it. Amen. Which are what? Adultery. Amen. This is not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, Sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like that is ETC. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not what? They will not inherit the kingdom of God. Give me the same message in message translation. Let's look at how it is explained. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way. That is trying to live by the flesh. Not being controlled, not being led, not being directed by the Holy Spirit. The life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive. Look at how it explains Sexual immorality. It calls it repetitive, loveless, cheap sex. A stinking accumulation of mental and what? And emotional garbage. That is what the safe life expresses. Amen? And um, a stinking accumulation of what? Of mental and emotional garbage. Frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. That is a pursuit of things, thinking that, you know, when I have the degree, oh, I will be happy, I will be met. When I have the millions, oh, pursuing the, the, the dollars. Amen? Pursuing the life, trying to live the life. Thinking that in need, there is satisfaction. 
frenzy, yes, trinket gods that is having idols in your life. You idolize things, idolize, you know, material things, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition. You're competing with everybody. Everything for you is a competition to win. Even in ministry, it becomes a competition. All consuming yet never satisfy ones. Your needs and your wants are unsatiable. Or un, un, we, we say that you cannot satisfy them. There are many things you want in this life. And you can do anything and live anyhow and sacrifice anything and sacrifice everything. Sacrifice anything and everything and everyone for the sake of what you want. Relationships, you put them on the line for the things you want. A brutal temper, anger. An importance to love. You don't have the capacity, you don't want to, you don't show love. And even when people love you, you cannot receive love. It says the importance to love or be loved. You don't even give people opportunity to show you true love. Divided homes and divided lives. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits. Pursuing things that don't matter in life. The vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival. Anywhere you enter and anybody you see is your, is, is your rival. Even you are married, your husband is your rival, your wife is your rival. Your siblings, you are your rivals. You turn everything to rivalry. Uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions. Addictions to anything. To alcohol, to food. Addictions to media and anything that controls you. Because the man is not meant to be controlled by anything. Except by the spirit of God. Hallelujah. Ugly parodies. That's wild parties. Of community. I could go on. This isn't the first time I've warned you. You know, if you use your freedom that you have in Christ this way, you will not inherit God's kingdom. Hallelujah. This is not how the believer must live. This is not the life that is inspired by the Spirit. And if you could see the snippets of these in their variations in your life, it simply means that you are not living by the Spirit. It simply means that you are living the flesh to do what? To control the way you, like, you live. It simply means that the Spirit of God is not the motivator of your living. The Spirit of God is not the one inspiring your daily living. So we must submit and allow the Spirit by the Word to do what? To direct the way we live our lives. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. NKJV or NLT, anyone? First John chapter 3, verse 7 to 10. First John, not Isaiah. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is what? Is righteous. Amen? Just as he is what? Is righteous. Who is righteous? Jesus is righteous. And he lives in you by the spirit. He motivates you to will and to do the things that gives him pleasure. Verse 8. He who sins is of who? He is of who? He is of the devil. 
So if you are here and you don't see anything wrong in you, the way you are living, eh? there's no conviction in you that the way you are living is wrong. It simply means that you belong to somebody else and not God. Hallelujah. He who sins is what? Is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For his purpose, for this purpose, the son of God has manifested so that he will do what? So that he might destroy the works of the, of, of, of the devil. Verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. The NLT or the other translation says does not deliberately and intentionally continue in sin. You don't continually live in sin and say, you know, nobody is perfect. No, 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 no. That's not life. When we teach you about freedom in Christ, when we tell you about your eternal salvation, we are not saying you should go and continue to live in sin. Because if you continue to live in sin intentionally, it means is that the spirit has not even begun any work in you. It simply means that there is no, you are not born again. That's what it means. So a believer does not intentionally live a lifestyle of sin. The believer does not intentionally, continuously express and manifest without remorse, without any, any, any sense of guilt or any sense of prompting within him. Not really guilt, but conviction. Hallelujah. Any sense of conviction. That person is not born again. You can be in church and not born again. You can be preaching and you are not born again. Amen? So what we expect is that the believer has been born of God, does not continue in sin. For what happened? For his seat, that is the seat of God, the Holy Ghost, does what? Remains in him permanently. And he cannot sin. Why? Because he has been born of God. Because that person has been born of God. Verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are what are distinguished. Amen. This is, this is, the, this is the dividing line. That's how we know. You know, oh, you know, my salvation is the heart. Is the heart thing. We will know. The Bible made it clear. We will know whether you are a child of Satan or you are a child of God. It's evident. Even if you are in church, you can be a child of Satan in church. Hallelujah. So, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are what? Are manifest. That is how we know this person is born again. This person is not born again. How? Whoever does... Who does not practice righteousness is not of who? It's not of God. No, he who does not love his brother. Amen? You don't practice righteousness and you don't love, you are not of God. Because God is love. And if love lives in you, you must express the nature of love. Hallelujah. So when you are born again, even when you do what is wrong, now we are not saying that the believer might not make errors and mistakes. That is not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that the believer does not confidently, intentionally, deliberately, even when they are correcting him, he's still stubborn. stubborn. He does not want to stop because it is, it is his habitat. You cannot take the pig away from his habitat. Amen? In fact, that person does not have the ability to stop sinning because he's not born again. No matter how you renovate him with religious language, no matter how you renovate him with dressing, that person cannot live right because he does not have the ability to live right. 
Because the spirit does not live in him. His spirit is still dead. There is a man occupying the spirit. And it's, it's what is a dead man that is living there. That man does not have the ability. That man cannot please God. For that man to begin to respond to the things of the spirit, there must be the new birth. You must believe in Jesus Christ as the Lord and the Savior who have died for you and have risen. Then you receive the gift of the spirit that lives in you that motivates you to begin to live. So when you do what is wrong, there's a consciousness in you, ah, this thing is wrong. By the word, you are corrected and you live by the word. Hallelujah. The believer does not continue to sin. The believer cannot live in sin. The believer should not live in sin. Hallelujah. So, we must mortify the flesh. Hallelujah. As believers, we must mortify the flesh. Now, to mortify the flesh does not mean certain rules. Amen. Five steps to mortifying the flesh. Number one, do not steal. Number two, do not what? That's now how to mortify the flesh. It's not in don'ts and do's. To mortify the flesh does not mean certain rules. It means living by the written word, which means being led by the spirit. It means responding to what the word says. It means allowing the word to find expression in you. So therefore, if the word says pray, you should do what? You should pray. By praying, you give power to what? To the spirit to manifest in you. Therefore, you are able to live above the flesh. Hallelujah. So, the believer must mortify the flesh. Colossians chapter 5, verse... Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. Yeah, 5 to 7. Colossians 5. says, therefore, put to death, that is to mortify, kill, severe yourself from your members which are on earth. What is earthly? Whatever manifests from the carnal nature. Whatever manifests in the flesh which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, see how the lists are. Passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, what happened? The wrath of God, does what? Comes upon the sons of disobedience. Because of these things, what happened to the sons of dis disobedience? They incurred the wrath of God. In which, right, because of these things, yes, in which you yourself once walk when you live in them. That means that you once live as a child of disobedience. And you no longer are a child of disobedience. Therefore, you don't need to live in them. In which you once live, you once walk when you live in them. That was your, your home. That was your behavior. That was your lifestyle. But now, you are a believer. The next verse. Verse 8. But now you yourself are to put off all these things. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language and out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. Yes, continue. And have put on the new man who is renewed in what? How is the new man renewed? He is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Hallelujah. Where there is neither, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, no free, but Christ is all in all. Hallelujah. 
you must mortify the flesh of sexual immorality. This is one of the dimension by which the flesh manifests. Hallelujah. Now, sex is created by God. I'll, I'll deviate a little bit before we close. Sex is what is created by God. It is a gift. Pastor Victor was teaching us that it's a gift, right? It's a gift to be enjoyed within the prescription of God's holy institution of marriage. Any act of sex outside God's ordained purpose is an abuse of his gift. And therefore, it is sinful. Amen? So sex was not a result of sin. It was not because Adam's, Adam and Eve sinned. So therefore, sex come to manifestation. No. Right from the beginning, it was a plan of God for man. It is not a product of sin. Hallelujah. It's a gift. That is how God loved man. And he gave, and he gave this to man as a gift. With a prescription. With a way by which you can. You don't use the gift of God anyhow. Amen. If you go to the pharmacy, you buy a drug, there's a doctor's prescription. If you take it the way you want to take it, you will see the result that you, don't, you, don't, you will not like, right? They say, take one in the morning, take one in the evening, take one at night, and you decide to consume three at once. You will see what it didn't bargain for. Hallelujah. And some of us have seen the manifestation of our disobedience. Many of us are living, some of us are a consequence of some people's disobedience. I'm saying this in context. Amen? And you yourself, you are living in the consequence of your own disobedience. Sex has a prescription. And anything outside the will of God, and the will of God is what? Is in marriage. Hallelujah. Is in what is a marriage. Sex outside marriage is what is sin. It's called sin. Homosexuality is what is called sin. We say this without what? Without reserve. That is what the Bible says. Self-sex, masturbation is not the design of God. Therefore, it is what? It is sin. Sex with animals is what? Is sin. Amen. So what you are doing with your boyfriend or your girlfriend is not fun. It's not love. Let me tell you what it's called. It's called fornication. That's what it's called. And it's sin. Hallelujah. Perhaps you walk into this place with your girlfriend. Tell her what you are doing is, is sin. Amen. It's sin. Don't do as if you don't know what I'm talking about. 99% of us are young people here. Hallelujah. And this is what is very predominant among us young people. And we must point it out. You are in this church. You are serving. You are a worker. And you are living in this. If we know, as Pastor Victor will say, if you don't fear God, fear us. Amen. This is living against the will and the purpose of God. And let me tell you, every disobedience comes with a consequence. God forgives totally. The forgiveness of God is complete. But you see the consequence of your action? You go hear them. Amen? Every action has what? A responding action, right? Am I saying the right, the right thing, right? For every action, there's a corresponding action. You see, there's a result. 
So when you think, oh, God, you know, God has, you know, we are living by grace, this, this, you will see the consequences of your living by grace. Because you are living in disobedience to God's word. That is not living by grace. That is living in sin. That is not living by grace because grace comes the responsibility. And the responsibility is to live out the word of God. Hallelujah. To allow the word of God to find expression through you. Let's read this passage all together. In, um, let's read NLT. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 11. Let me not just be sentenced. Let's look at it in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 11. We're going to read it all of us together. In NLT. 1 Corinthians 9 verse, uh, 6 verse 9. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9. We're going to read this all together. Quickly, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. Yes. We're going to read this together. Amen. Hey, amen. Now, want to go. Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality, or are thieves, or greedy people, or drunkards, or are abusive, or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of what? Of God. Right? Verse 11. Some of you were what? Were once like that. But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You are made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Hallelujah. Let's read this in TPT. All of us, we are reading together. Your pastors are beginning to have issues with this translation. Let's read it together. One, two, go. Surely you must know that people who practice evil cannot possess the kingdom, God's kingdom realm, right? Stop being deceived. People who continue to engage in sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, sexual perversion, homosexuality, fraud, greed, drunkenness, verbal abuse, or extortion, these will not inherit God's kingdom realm. It is true that some of you once lived in those lifestyles. But now you have been purified from sin, made holy, and given a perfect standing before God. All before, all because of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and through our union with the Spirit of our God. Hallelujah. Do we need translation? Do we need explanation? So we have the Spirit in us. We have the spirit of God in us. Therefore, we must live in response to what? To this spirit that lives in us. We don't engage in sexual immorality. We don't cause others to fall into immorality either. By our dressing, by our communication, by our behavior, etc. We must walk in love towards one another, upholding each other. Because this is the will of God. This is the desire of God for us. Hallelujah. Anger, passion, hateful feelings, insult, obscene talk, tribalism, racism. You see where we saw where there's no longer Greek or Jew, right? That's racism. That's, it has been there. It's not today. 
it's not during slave trade or in America that racism started. It's not in Europe. It's been there. It's a, it's a human nature issue. It's a, as old as man is when man fell. That is how old as how immorality and, and racism and all sort of social vices we see today in the society. There's nothing new you are seeing today that have not ever existed in history. There's no kind of sin you are seeing today, right? The only thing is that technology only upgrades it and gives a later platform to be seen. But there's no sin in this world that is new. Whichever sin you see, you even create, you are reinventing what the devil have invented. And it's the works of the flesh. Hallelujah. So we must live by the spirit. And let me tell you, there's God's help for the believer. Amen. As I run up. God's help for the believer. You see, self-help is not help. Hallelujah. You could be here and you could feel convicted by the things we've said and things we've expressed. Now, don't say, I'll help myself. I'll change. No, 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 no. It's not by making resolution. Because self-help is not help at all. It's called pride, actually. That's what it's called. It's called pride. God has made available the church as a help for the believer. Amen? Therefore, you must be accountable. You cannot live the life in the spirit alone. You See, the life in the spirit is not an individual living. You must depend on the system that God has put in place for your restoration, for your help, for your deliverance, for your healing, for your transformation. You must be trained in righteousness. Ephesians 4 verse 11 to 13. You must rely on the believers. Romans 15 verse 1 to 3. You must rely on believers. Galatians 6 verse 1 and 2. James 5 verse 6. You must rely on believers and the system that God has put in place for your restoration. Hallelujah. So don't just live in, in, in self-destruction. Self, you know, defeat, thinking all is over. No. No. God desire that you find help. Hallelujah. And the wisdom of the church is the wisdom of God. The spirit of God is here to help. The word of God is here to help. But most importantly, the church of God is here to help. He has given us leaders and pastors for our edification, for our healing, for our building up, for our transformation. Just close your eyes and begin to speak to God. Say, I live by the word. I mortify the flesh. I allow the spirit of God to have his say in my life, to have his, his grip upon my life. I obey the word.